But nonetheless, today in the seventh chapter of the Gospel of John, thank you, Royce, and those others that are up there and, and got us on the right chapter. Is that, Fernando, you sitting down? Okay, very good. Um, because we're, we're stepping on into the next chapter, chapter uh, 7, verses 1 through about verse 13. We are going to look at where Jesus and his brothers are truly out of sync, if you will. Uh, the brothers, Jesus, I'm going to set the context here for just a second. Jesus has left the area of Jerusalem and gone back to his homeland of Galilee. And King James will say he was walking in Galilee. I, I like that because I think that has some more power to it than just he was in the area. Because it was not safe to walk in the area of Judea. And he's back at home and he is talking with his brothers, and the brothers say, oh, and why is he back at home? It's because they want to kill him. If he goes to Jerusalem, they want to kill him. And his brothers say, you ought to go to Jerusalem. Now, I'm looking at a brother there. He smiled. Some of you got brothers. I mean, I've heard of some civil, you know, uh, how you say that, sibling rivalry, but, man, how many of you ever told your brother you ought to go someplace to get, you know, murder. So, mm, interesting. So, and that's where we pick this up, because they're having a big feast there, the Feast of Tabernacles, a big Jewish feast, one of the three that uh, are referenced in uh, the Old Testament that it is mandated you would go to. And they quickly find out, because they say, hey, it's a good time to go. He said, no, it's not a good time to go. And he says, the world hates me, and you know, for you, they like you, and it's okay for you to go. Um, but he tells them that you're on the world's time, and you need to be, you need to be on God's time. So if you have your Bibles, look with me, please. John, the seventh chapter, we'll start with verse 1. After this, Jesus went around in Galilee. As I said, King James says, walking around or walking in Galilee, purposely staying away from Judea because the Jews there were waiting to take his life. But when the Jewish Feast of Tabernacles was near, Jesus' brothers said to him, You ought to leave here and go to Judea so that your disciples may see the miracles you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world. For even his own brothers did not believe in him. Therefore Jesus told them, The right time for me has not yet come. For you, any time is right. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me because I testify that which it does is evil. You go to the feast. I'm not yet going up to this feast because for me, the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Now at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? Among the crowds, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said, he's a good man. Others said, no, he deceives the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. Let's pray. Father, as we see in these verses today, that even Jesus' own brothers were out of sync with him. His timing was not their timing. And how many times we try to force your time into our time. We want things now. 
or we want them tomorrow, or we want you to abide by the clocks that we wear on our wrists or the clocks that we have on our phone. But Lord, you are the one that set the sun into space. And, and Lord, you are the one who created time. Help us to seek your time and be in sync with you today. Speak to us and help us to see how in these verses that some of our reactions are there. Some of us saying merely you're a good man. Or some of us deceiving others by our lack of faith in you. Or sometimes we're just silent, not doing anything. Let this be an hour in which we dedicate ourselves to get in step, to get in sync with you. This I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me tell you right now, this passage was not highlighted in my Bible. And let me tell you, as an old military chaplain, for 30-some-odd years I followed the lectionary in the military. The lectionary, those of you who raised Methodist, Lutheran, Episcopal, Catholic, there is a lectionary that has a set of readings that occur every year. And there's usually cycle A, cycle B, cycle C. In three different years, you start over. This is never in the lectionary because it's kind of hard to find out exactly why John put this in there. Why did God inspire John to have this in there? Some would say, well, it's to show that even his own brothers didn't believe in him. Some would pull out that verse that he said the reason they were pursuing him is because he told them what they were doing was evil. Some would say that it has references to even us and how we apply him or don't apply him to our lives. So I pray that this uh, text today would speak to you, even though it may be unfamiliar, or at least what you might say is just preface to the bigger story. There's still a story in here for us today. And let me take a moment just to pause to say that uh, we all understand the idea of saying in sync. It's not the Justin Timberlake uh, boy band. It is to be in synchronized, you know, you, to be in step, to be in harmony, uh, to be on the same page. So you understand when I use the, the phrase in sync. Uh, I, I wish uh, that my good buddy Dean Howard would be here. Uh, obviously, he's flown a lot of different aircraft, and I've never been in charge or at the controls of one that have two engines. But it's very important when you have two engines that the engines be in sync. And old guys can do it by their ears because it truly makes a different sound when one engine, you know, just like if you, I guess, I'll bring it down to tractor pulls. If you had a tractor pull and had multiple engines and one engine's only pulling 20% and one's pulling 100%, it's not right. It doesn't do what it can do. And when we can get in sync, when we are in harmony, when we're on the same page, when we're in step with Jesus, how much more we can do for him. Maybe you've watched synchronized swimming. I can see you doing that right now, Aaron. You have long arms, long legs. and I, I can swim, but I don't think I'm buoyant enough. Even though fat does float, I don't think I could stay up as long or hold my breath as long as those ladies who do that, if you've seen that in the Olympics. But they put on beautiful presentations because of their dedication, their practice of doing things together. Jesus said that his brothers were out of sync. I mean, he doesn't say it directly, but he implies you, you don't understand. But the Jews of the day were in sync. They were in time because every faithful Jew within 15 miles or so of Jerusalem 
was getting ready to celebrate the Feast of the Tabernacles. In fact, those who had finances, those who had abilities, would still come into the city and practice this one of three feasts or festivals that we know of from the Old Testament that reoccurred throughout the Jewish calendar. Just like we might have Christmas and Easter, they had three different ones. The Passover, the Feast of Tabernacles, and what's the other one? Well, I'm going to save a t-shirt for somebody who can answer that next week. So we'll just put that over here on the piano. Yeah, because I found out that I order t-shirts and I have no really way to give them away. So you'll see another way. So if you can think of that other one. This one is called also the Feast of Booths because what they did, this particular Feast of Tabernacles, celebrated the end of the 40 years in the desert, the wandering. And you know, the children of Israel wandering through the desert for 40 years, they were constantly having to set up tents, if you will, as they were traveling and, and going from place to place. I can't imagine, you know, I've been stuck on the interstate many times and had to circle on the bypass or whatever. But for 40 years, circling, that's what they were doing, circling until the Lord found it at the right time to bring them into the promised land. And here, during this Feast of Tabernacles, this Feast of Booths, it was a festival that occurred typically in the latter part in our modern calendar of September or October, which we're bang on right there doing that. And once again, God has just showed his perfect timing for us. It was a festival not of grains, but it was a festival that was um, tuned in tune to the olive and grape production that came in at the end. It has a lot to do with water and light. And you'll find that in the coming chapters, Jesus will associate himself to being this living water and also the light of the world. So it's interesting how Jesus takes this festival and, you know, superimposes himself into many of the things that they were already thinking and doing. But these seven days, culminating with an eighth day, a big celebration at the end, but a seven-day festival, uh, people in town, even if you had a house on the top of your roof, you might set up some kind of uh, branches and make makeshift tent that you would practice being out in the wilderness. And if you came to town, you probably brought your branches with you to set up your booth there. They celebrated that when the wandering stopped, the promised land was revealed. When they finally got in step with Jesus, or got in step with the Lord. So that's our first point this morning, is get in step, get in step. Gomer Pyle was the name that I heard many times in high school marching band. I actually marched in band in grade school. I marched in band in high school. I marched in the college ROTC poorly. And I marched in the Air Force just enough that most chaplains are told never to march in formation. Because this means L for left, and most times you can't remember to go left or right. But, and then I get to Lackland where that's what is taught all the time. And in, the in those days, you know, 30 plus years ago, Gomer Pyle was still a popular figure. Gomer was this uh, character that was spun off the Andy Griffith show that had ran the gas station and joined the United States Marine Corps. Who? Any Marines? Yeah. <laughs> Fernando stood up at that point. Yeah. <laughs> Marine, you mentioned Marine Corps. I'm going to stand up. Just for the kids that don't know who Gomer is, uh, here's Gomer, the intro to Gomer Pyle with uh, Sergeant Carter. He will be the guy out of step. Gomer Pyle, USMC. Starring Jim Neighbors as Gomer Pyle. 
Also starring Frank Sutton as Sergeant Carter. Well, Jesus was walking around Galilee. It wasn't safe to walk in Judea. And there's a lesson right there. Why do you choose to walk? Why do you choose to march anywhere where Jesus doesn't want you to go? We walk, we march into trouble when we aren't in step with Jesus. While avoiding those who wanted to kill him, his brothers suggest uh, he go anyway. And that just gets me. Uh, so at this point, I need to stop another t-shirt opportunity. How many brothers, some of you know I'm going to ask this question, so you can't, you can't jump in and win a t-shirt right now. How many brothers did Jesus have? Raise your hand. I will call on you. That way, in case you're incorrect, the others can learn from you. How many? Well, that's a spiritual answer. I'm walking like, he had these, I'm his brother, you know. I, you know he's, yeah, we're all brothers in the faith now. No, I'm not going to take that one. Good try, though, Jack. I really appreciate it. And just because you've chosen one number doesn't mean you can't choose again. So, anybody? Or How many? Close, but no cigar. Anybody else? You have to raise your hand, Ed. Wrong. Okay. John? Wrong. Well, this is getting a lot longer. How about... You didn't raise your hand. I didn't call on you. I didn't call on you. Somebody want to raise your hand and say four? Four? Yes. Okay, I'm going to give one to both. So somebody give that one back there to Troy. And Emma, here you go. I, it's the only, only girly color I have. So, yeah. All right. Um, anybody that can name all four, I'll give another T-shirt to. All right, this is going to take the sermon forever, so I'll just go ahead and tell you. Um, you know, I'm probably doing it from memory. Uh, there's a James, obviously, wrote that book in the Bible, right? At least that's most commentators think of James, the, the brother of Jesus that wrote the epistle James. Uh, there is one named Joseph after Mary and Joseph. How would you like to have that name when your big brother's Jesus, okay? There's another one called Judas. Yeah, but it's not Judas Iscariot, so it's a different Judas. And then there's one more called Simon. So there are four brothers there. And how many sisters did he have? Anybody got the answer? Because nobody knows. It just says plural. If you read uh, in Mark, I think it's Mark 6 or Mark 12, and maybe I got this Matthew 12 and Mark 6. But Matthew and Mark both have the list of those four names, and they say the brothers and sisters. So it implies plural. So he had at least two sisters. So All right. And I still have two T-shirts left. So this sermon can really get better, you know. I don't know. Um, Hopefully it will, as he said. Sibling rivalry is not new. Genesis. Cain and Abel. Yeah. Um, there you go. Somebody tried to steal somebody's birthright. How about Joseph and his brothers? What did they try to do to him? They tried to kill him. They put him in a hole, right? I didn't kill him, but sent him off into slavery, you know. That'll, that'll be even better, yeah. Do what? Well, they're not brothers, but okay, it is sibling rivalry. I got that, okay. How about the prodigal son? Go Skip to the New Testament. That and the older brother, don't you know they did not see eye to eye? 
So <clears throat> you could go on, and I'm sure there's some others in there that I've skipped over. But the brother suggests that he goes. And I, I find that really interest, interesting. It, it is coupled with the fact that they did not believe in him at this point. But for the sake of this argument, we'll leave that alone and go to time. Jesus says to hit their answer, um, verse 6, The right time for me has not yet come. For any time is right. For you, any time is right. In other words, you guys can go ahead and go right now. It's not right for me to go right now at the beginning of this festival. I don't want to see And there are a lot of different ways to interpret this. I think the best way to look at it is Jesus is saying, I don't want to go right now. In fact, in Greek, there's three different words. I know some of you go, oh, God, here we go. I'm Greek, you know. Okay. There's a Greek word, ora, for hour, H-O-R-A, that when he is with um, the lady at the well, uh, I think I gave her the name of Fatina. Uh, he, they say it's the sixth hour. The word aura is used there in that, in that chapter. And then there is another word that, is, uh, that we get our modern-day word uh, chronograph from. It's chronos and you know, a precision measurement of time. But in the Greek, it means a longer season. And if you remember when he healed the man by the well, uh, by uh, the waters there, um, the pool of Bethesda, that he had been there for a long time. That's the word that is used there. He had been there for a season of his life. And here he uses a word that kind of looks like the Greek word for grace. It's karos, K or X-A-I-R-O-S. He uses a word there that is derived in the original language from an archer who, when he lets go, of, or I could say a hunter in modern day terms, it's when you know to let go of the projectile, the arrow, whatever. It is the right moment for things to happen. And that's what Jesus is telling his brothers. It's not the right moment for me to go. Because some people like to argue this passage well. It's like he lied to them because he, he said he wouldn't go, and he goes. No, he just said it wasn't the right time. So, of course, with my... Somebody asked me today if I was going to sing. I won't sing. Uh, but in my 1970s mind, I think of the song by Dr. John. Must, Chief, must have been the... But the... Yeah, must have had the... Here, I think I got the rest of it. I don't want you to sing it with me here. Where'd it go? I have it here. Uh, it must have been the right place, but it must have been the wrong time. I must have said the right thing, but it must have been the wrong line. And I want you to know that Keros time... God's archer's time when he releases what he wants you to do is always at the right place, always at the right moment, always has the right line, always has the right mind because you have him in the right place in your heart. Jesus' brothers were out of sync and they needed to get into step. Worldly time says go indulge yourself. Buy it now, pay later. Hey, I'm not trying to pick on anybody who's got a credit card, okay? But that's what the world says. Get it now. I mean, that's why it's so hard for sometimes people to think about finishing college. Well, I, I can do this. And, but no, maybe you should apply yourself a little longer and do something else here and, and learn this process. But the world says, get it now, pay later. Who cares of the consequences? But God says, follow me. And think of me before you act. Get in sync. Get in step. And finally, 
Call the cadence. Call the cadence. Yeah, Jesus' brothers go ahead, and I wonder if, uh, if he would have gone with them, if they would have helped him had he came under attack, or they have stood back and watched their brother be beaten or worse. We do know that in Acts, the first chapter, verse 14, that the disciples were with Jesus' brothers, so they did finally believed in him after his resurrection, after he came back from the grave. And they finally got in step with Jesus. But here in these verses, let me read 7 through 10 with you again. The world cannot hate you, but it hates me, because I testify to what, is do, to what it does is evil. You go on to the feast. I'm not yet going up to the feast, because for me the right time has not yet come. Having said this, he stayed in Galilee. However, after his brothers had left for the feast, he went also, not publicly, but in secret. Buried in those verses I just read to you is the reason the world hated him, because he pointed out their evil. And the same applies today. And sadly, Christians are notorious for pointing out the sin in other people's lives. We practice spiritual arrogance or spiritual superiority. But I guarantee you, anytime you apply the Word of God to the world, you probably won't be liked. While attending Boston University uh, many years ago, the uh, preaching professor, who he and I became great friends. In fact, I think I told Pierce that. He's the guy who made me write a sermon every week, even though I wasn't actively filling a pulpit. He said, you should write a sermon every week, even if you're not filling a pulpit. I'm looking at the, some of the preachers I know because it keeps you in the... It's like any other uh, skill set. It keeps you, you know, in tune with your skill set. But here's one of the first passages he made us all preach a sermon on. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, verse 9. Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexuals, offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And I think King James says, and such were some of you. NIV says, and that is what you were. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God. Jesus disturbed the status quo. Pharisees were so in love with the laws that they had put on the people, they could not imagine giving up the power they had to interpret God's law and their law that they had placed the burden on the people. Sadducees were so in the pocket of the Roman government that had dominated and conquered their land, they made money off their relationship. And they did not want to give up the power that they had. But Jesus is telling them the evil of their ways. He challenges them. 
He wants them to be corrected. He wants them to be, to be changed. So here we are back at the text. Jesus decides now the time is okay to go. It's not okay. It's now this is the time that God wants me to go. Now is the time to release the arrow. Now is the time to fire the shot. And he goes to Jerusalem. And you will find out next week as we preach our way through these wonderful chapters of John that next week he eventually ends up in the temple teaching. So I don't think he didn't go out of fear because he went right to the very heart of where the evil ones had put burdens on the people and there proclaims the truth of his father. But before that, we look at verses 11 through 13. Here we go. These are the responses. Now the feast the Jews were watching, at the feast, the Jews were watching for him and asking, where is that man? In other words, where's Jesus? And among the crowd, there was widespread whispering about him. Some said he's a good man. Others said, no, he deceived the people. But no one would say anything publicly about him for fear of the Jews. So I think you see three responses. Some saying he's a good man. Some saying he's a deceiver. And some being totally silent. Well, calling cadence can be if you went through the military training of any level. You had a training instructor, a drill instructor. It can be like Sergeant Carter yelling in Gomer Pyle's ear, get in step. That can be cadence. But cadence can also be a loving mother's words to a child cooing and, you know, saying, you know, be, be still, baby, or whatever it might be. And that was perfect timing. That really was. I didn't plan that. I mean, that was already in the notes. So that mom, Moms can do that. Dad shout cadence and usually get whining, you know, crying. But when mama says, hey, it's okay, it's okay, you see how the cadence of mom's voice changes the child. And so it can be that when we listen to the cadence that Jesus gives to us, we can call that cadence for others. Where two or three are gathered, we can call cadence for him. Ask yourself this morning, who's calling your cadence? Whose tempo are you marching to? Whose pace are you trying to keep up with? Now, as we look at these three responses, some of the people called out, he's a good man. Oh, yeah, that's true, but he's so much more. He's my savior. He's my comfort. He's my redeemer. He's my strength. He's my compass. He's my watch, if you will, telling me it's time to serve, time to love, time to forgive, time to get up, Time to do something for him. Some say in this text, he is a deceiver. And because of the lives that some people live these days, we become the deceiver. Because we have taken the gospel message that he has extended to us, and we have claimed to do something different with it or have not followed him at all. In fact, it's like Thoreau's line, you know, each man walks to the beat of a different drummer. No, there's only one drummer when it comes to keeping pace with the Lord. Some people are so locked in fear, that's a third category, that they silently freeze, unable to get in step and sync with Jesus. So once again, I ask you this morning, who's calling your cadence? Who's beating the drum that keeps the pace of your life? And have you fallen out of sync with him? Diedrich Bonhoeffer, you know, those of you who remember him, he died during the World War II. Actually, if you know anything about Bonhoeffer, he had come back to the United States. He could have stayed here, even though he was against the Nazi reign in Germany. 
he taught for a while, he wrote for a while, but went back and eventually was uh, imprisoned in a concentration camp and died. But one of the uh, statements that I have for him that I uh, found this week is that everything has its time. And the main thing is that we keep in step with God and do not keep pressing on a few steps ahead or keep daggling and drawing behind. It's presumptuous to want to have everything at once. But everything has its time. Let me close with an uh, illustration that I told uh, the main character in it, other than me, it was going to happen. So uh, before the baptism last week, I, uh, Dan and I on Amazon had ordered a new heater for our church baptistry. And uh, between Dan and I we, and Pierce, we figured we could figure it out, and it comes, and it has different connections than ours, and... You know, Cliff gets ahead of himself, and Dan was on uh, vacation. Dan's actually sick today, so keep Dan in your prayers. Um, not COVID, he just has a cold. Um, but Dan wasn't here, and I think Pierce had gone. It was Friday. I was in there messing with it and, and couldn't get it going. So I called the master electrician in our congregation, Wayne Mars, and who is a fixer of, of hearts and other things, a good man. Uh, Wayne, well, I'll be up there. Yeah, come on. So he comes up, and the first thing he says is, well, let's look at the old heater. Like, why would I look at the old heater, man? It's broke. I don't want to, do, I don't want to look at the old heater. It's broke. I want to put a new heater on. He goes, well, let's look at it first. And he unscrews the heating element out of it, and, well, right there is your problem. The heating element's burn out. Well, that's why we need a new heater. He goes, well, it could be the pump that feeds the water into the heater, and that's what's burning up your heater because this is like the third time you guys have called me out here to work on the heater. What? Yeah. I was out of step, and I should have been in sync with the master. I should have called him. And how many times in our own spiritual lives we step out of pace with the master, we get ahead of him or we get behind him or we take a detour, and all we needed to do was talk to him first. And he might have said, hey, go check your pump, you know, first. So, this morning, whether you are in sync with the latest fashions, the latest restaurants, the latest watches, I mean, maybe some of you, you know, I don't know, there's got to be something after the Apple Watch. I mean, I don't know, is there a banana watch? You know, I don't know. <laughs> maybe you're in sync with all the sporting news, and I mean, most of us, well, many of us follow sporting events, and we become, you know absentee Christians on Sunday. I don't know, I'll stop off there. We, or we get experts and in sync with world politics or the stock market, but don't be out of sync with Jesus. Get in step. Call his cadence. Listen for him to call the cadence and then echo that cadence in this world, the cadence of following the Savior. Stand with me, please, we pray. Our Father, as we come now to this time of uh, response, a time where we can step forward to get in sync with you, I pray if there's someone here who does not know Jesus, they've never stepped out and said, I want to take him by the hand and ask for forgiveness for my sins. I want this broken life that I live to be restored. I want to follow my Savior Jesus. I pray that this would be the answer today for those who have 
never come to know him. And perhaps there's somebody here, Lord, that needs to come to these steps and pray. We have prayer team members that will be with them. Let your Holy Spirit move in our midst right now. For I want to be in sync with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.